Thank you everybody for joining me here on What's Your Story. I'm your host, Emmanuel Mutui, and today I have a wonderful guest. When I started, before I even started this show, I had lunch with him, and I was just sharing with him the ideas that I have. And back then, it was like, yeah, yeah, man, let me know, and then I'll be on the show. So this is, a, I don't know, a year and a half later, maybe, finally made it on the show. And he's a good friend of mine now, and I, we have lunch every so often, and it's just nice to pick his brain about different things. And I know you're going to love this interview, but without further ado... Mr. Jeff Anderson. Emmanuel, thank you for this format, for people to be able to talk about what God's done in our life. That's a blessing. Thank you. Thank you. He's, remind me, because, remind me of a title, because people ask me, like, who, is, who am I interviewing? I'm like, he works for the congressman, mm-hmm. and I know what he does. I just don't know. Well, I'm a senior advisor for the congressman. I okay. do faith-based outreach, mm-hmm. which is expanding. We're just doing community outreach, mm-hmm. and in many ways, it's just an opportunity for me to yeah. pastor a community, to, to get people together, and that's what we'll talk about today. Mm-hmm. So, well, that's what he's doing now, so let's go back as we do to the beginning. Mm-hmm. Where is Jeff from? So I'm a Colorado Springs native. Oh. My parents came to Colorado Springs before I was even a year old. Mm. And my dad's a church planter. He okay. started Widefield Community Bible Church, which is Fountain, south part of Colorado Springs. Mm. And so I went to kindergarten yeah. here in El Paso County. Yeah. We, uh, my dad started a second church down in Pueblo, so we lived in Pueblo a lot of the years that I went to school. Mm-hmm. But eventually moved back up here. I graduated from Rampart High School, which yeah. couldn't be you know, more than a mile away from where we're sitting today. Wow, that's amazing. So when you, you move here, your dad is a pastor and involved in ministry most of your early life, all your life actually. Mm-hmm. When do you get born again? Well, I truly believe I was born again when I was about four years old. Okay. I grew up hearing the gospel. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know how the, the, the message that's instilled in you, mostly from my mother at that point. Mm-hmm. I knew that I, I was a sinner. I knew that yeah. I did things wrong. And I knew that when I did things wrong, I deserved punishment. Mm-hmm. So it was really clear to me, the wages of sin is death or the yeah. punishment that there mm-hmm. is for sin. Yeah. But I also understood that Christ died for my sins, that he was a substitute mm-hmm. who took the penalty and the guilt for my sin, mm-hmm. and that if I believe in him, I could have everlasting life. And so I truly, childlike faith, I believed in the Lord Jesus and trusted him when I was probably four years old. Now, for me, the challenge became, you know, walking with the Lord, all that, and growing. And uh, I never really had any kind of assurance of my salvation but what's odd is the things that took away the assurance of my salvation are the things that convince me now. I truly was born again even when I was a child. And here's what I mean by that. I mean that God made me really aware of my sin. So whenever I would sin and, and struggle, for instance, as a pastor's kid, I would go to school and try to live down that reputation and had the filthiest mouth on the playground, all right? But um, not necessarily having victory over sin, but the conviction, the awareness of my sin. And that awareness of sin would send me to camp. And if, if I went to summer camp and heard a good message, I was the first one down the aisle. And uh, I thought, well, maybe I need to get saved, or maybe I've never really been saved. But the truth is, God, by his Holy Spirit, made me sensitive to sin. He made me hungry for the Word of God. And, and I had a just a desire to respond. So it wasn't a life of complete victory. It wasn't a big transformation for me. As a matter of fact, I had a lot of confusion as a teenager as to where I was spiritually. But now I look back at that and I realize, man, you know, all of that was a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. I truly was born again. I had been born of the Spirit when I was a four-year-old child. Mm-hmm. And now I have an awareness of sin. Yeah. I have a hunger for the Word of God. Mm-hmm. I have a response to yeah. conviction in my life. Yeah. And here's the biggest one, my friend. The Bible says, whom the Lord loves, he chastens. And when I was walking away from God and mm-hmm. struggling... Mm-hmm. There was a chastening voice of God in my yeah. life, and that's a confirmation that, yeah. I was, that I was his child. So you, you kind of 
uh, just mentioned it and you moved past it. You said when you were a teenager, you were never really, you never really had assurance of when did that assurance happen? Yeah. It's very clear for me. August 15th, 1985. Okay. How old are you? I was 16 years old at that time. And I had uh, had come out of a time of anger and bitterness. I had seen my dad get hurt in a church. It's common. You know, it's common that you see, you know, Mm -hmm. conflict in a church. But as a child, as a young Mm -hmm. person, I, I saw the sacrifices my dad made, the sacrifices our families made. And when I saw him get wounded in that church, I became very angry. Not only at the church, but I became angry at God. And so that led to some years of rebellion and defiance of him. But August 15, 1985, God brought me to a youth meeting here in Colorado Springs at a place called Mesa Hills Bible Church. And that night, man, the, the, the word of God was preached, and I had a Romans chapter 6 experience. Here's what I mean by that. Romans chapter 6 is when God came into my life and he just said, Look, stop yielding your body as an instrument of unrighteousness to sin. And start yielding yourself to God as an instrument of righteousness. So the next morning, I got up, started reading my Bible. Went and announced to my parents. I was living in Pueblo at that time. And I announced to my parents, I said, hey, look, I'm I'm not going to play football at school this year. I'm going to keep working so I can have money. I'm going to drive up to this church because this youth group and this church has had such an impact on me. And now I'm hungry for God. I want to walk with him. And my parents decided that it was important enough for me to be around that kind of church that they sold their house and they moved to Colorado Springs so that I could be in a place where the church was ministering in my life. That's how dramatic it was, August 15th, 1985. And let me share a little cool story yeah. on this one, my bro. Mm-hmm. So what happened is years later, I met my wife, Nancy, and um, Nancy was in South Carolina at that time. But right about the same point, she would have been 14 when I was, uh, when I was 16. She began praying for her future husband. And you're not going to believe this. But her birthday is August 15th. So August 15th, mm-hmm. 1985, is written in my Bible as far as a turning point in my life. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a big wow. part of Nancy praying mm-hmm. for her future spouse. Wow, that's amazing. That's a, <laughs> the Lord works in mm-hmm. mysterious ways. And so in this time period, you've seen your dad, your dad get hurt. You have this assurance. Mm-hmm. Did you want to go into ministry, or did that hurt change what uh, you wanted to do? Well, what's so interesting about that is I knew God was calling me to ministry. Okay. I didn't know exactly what that meant. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just How assumed early? I was in fifth grade. Okay, I was in fifth grade the first time that I sensed that God was calling me to preach His Word. That's mm-hmm. really what it was for me, a call to preach, mm-hmm. to proclaim the Word of God. To, to Because what I had, Emmanuel, is I had a love for the Bible that instilled from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. I began going to a Wana club where I was memorizing the Bible. Mm. I'd go to camp where I'd hear the preaching of the Bible. God gave me this love for the Bible. And as early as fifth grade, I knew I had this love for the Bible. But, man, I didn't want to have anything to do with that. I saw the sacrifices. I saw what had happened. I said, God, I'll serve you in any other capacity. Um, You know, as a kid, I I dreamt of being a a pro, you know, a basketball player, a football Mm -hmm. player. Uh, I dreamed of going to the Air Force Academy. I had all kinds of other different ideas. Mm-hmm. But my surrender to that call to preach, it happened just before my senior year in high school. So that would have been, I guess, 1986 or so. Okay. And just before I, I came to Rampart High School for my senior year, I went to a camp, and at that camp is when God spoke in my life. And you know what? Here's what's amazing. Ponderosa Christian Camp is right up the road. It's right here in the county. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ponderosa Christian Camp is the place where God spoke to me. I surrendered to the call mm. and really no looking yeah. back from that point. So what was the next step after you surrendered to the call? What, what happened next? Well, the next big thing for me is ministering right where God had planted me. Okay. So I had moved from Pueblo mm-hmm. and Centennial High School. I came to Rampart. 
And my senior year at Rampart High School is where I had stopped being a nominal, hide, be a little bit embarrassed at your Christian faith, into becoming bold. And as I got bold in my Christian faith, what had happened is um, a friend of mine started praying for our, our, our uh, teammates and our fellow students. Every morning we would meet together before school and we'd pray. Uh, at the beginning of that year, we started a fellowship of Christian athletes. There was okay. only five of us wow. who came to the very first meeting. But because we prayed and because we served, by the end of the year, we had about 150 kids that were coming to FCA. Almost all of them were new believers. I'm telling you, man, when you're seeing God moving in people's life, Mm -hmm. bringing them to salvation, seeing them grow, seeing their life truly being changed, it wasn't hard to convince me to go serve the Lord. So really, Mm -hmm. that was a big part of my life of just Mm. saying, okay, this is what I want to invest my life in, something that really makes a difference. Yeah. So you finish high school, you have this encounter, and now it seems like you committed to going to ministry. Mm -hmm. Did you go to college? Well, well, the next step at that point Mm -hmm. was, all right, if you're going to serve the Lord and you're going to be a pastor, then you need to go to a Bible college. Yeah. And so uh, I really believe that God was leading me to a place called Bob Jones University. Yeah, I've heard of it. And it's a, it's a good conservative school. Fundamental school is definitely strict. Yes, so a kid, growing up, a kid growing up in a public high school, <laughs> going to that kind of environment, that was a culture shock. Yes. But let me tell you how God uh, prepared me for it and how God led me through that. Okay. Just before I went off to Bob Jones, my, my dad took me to a, a Christian camp, another retreat center. Okay. Uh, in Michigan, and there was a sand dunes off of Lake Michigan, okay. a place called Maranatha Christian Camp and Conference Center. We happened to go one night when a guy named uh, a guy named uh, Warren Wearsby was preaching from Psalm One, okay. and God used this message to say, "Blessed is the man who uh, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night." And God so stirred in me. Mm-hmm. I went out and sat on a sand dune overlooked Lake Michigan. I said, God, if there's one thing I want you to do in my life, give me a hunger for the Word of God. Mm. Well, So I went to Bible college not to follow rules, not mm. to just get a degree. Mm-hmm. I went to Bible college to love the Bible. Mm. And so I just fell in love with the Bible. And what yeah. that did is it gave me the freedom. It gave mm. me the, the freedom to say, all right, here may be the rules and the regulations, mm-hmm. but uh, that's not how I'm going to— that's not how I'm going to control my life. Yeah. I'm going to live by these rules at this time. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to compare those rules. I'm going to compare that teaching. I'm going to mm-hmm. compare everything to the Bible. Oh. You know, what God did is he allowed me at that point very early on yeah. to figure out that you can eat the fish and spit mm-hmm. out the bones. All right? That's an, anal- an analogy. Wow. This is no matter where you go in life, mm-hmm. you got to take the good, mm-hmm. compare it to the Bible, mm-hmm. and then you got to throw out the things that might be cultural or might be someone else's opinion or yeah. just some sort of denominational mm-hmm. opinion. I'm telling you, man, there's so many wow. people who are even watching us today, my friend. Mm-hmm. There's so many people who are watching us today who have never learned mm-hmm. to be discerning. Mm-hmm. The Bible calls it being a Berean. Mm. To be a Berean is to yeah. compare what you're hearing to compare to the Bible. And that yeah. had given me the freedom to go to lots of different environments, mm-hmm. go to lots of different churches that may disagree with each other. Mm-hmm. But I can receive the good, I compare yeah. it to the Bible, and the things that aren't consistent with the Bible, I just discard those things. Ah, that's wisdom right there. So this is more of a side question. In this time away, just pursuing the Bible and you studying the Bible, what was the one verse that completely just, I don't, I don't want to say shifted your thinking, but just completely rocked you? Well, at that time, Isaiah chapter 6, okay. where I saw you know, the year that King Uzziah died. Mm-hmm. I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Mm-hmm. The train of his robe filled the temple. Okay. One angel cried out to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Mm-hmm. 
having a vision of God, having a vision of who God was, mm-hmm. shook me in mm-hmm. the same way it shook Isaiah. Mm-hmm. So that passage helped me to come to a place where I said, woe is me. I'm, a, yeah. I'm, I'm undone. I'm a man yeah. of unclean lips. Lord, cleanse me. Mm-hmm. But then he also said, who shall I send? Who will go for us? Mm-hmm. And he said, here am I, send me. I'm telling you, mm-hmm. what rocked me is Isaiah 6. Wow. Here am I, send, send me. me. Yeah. So, wow, that's amazing. So in college, you finished, well, as you're going through college, about to finish, what did you, what was your next step? Or did you want to go back to pastoring or not back to pastoring? Yeah. The first step for me was to become a youth pastor. Okay. So I was living in East Tennessee for a while. But you mm-hmm. know what? Again, the, the characteristic mm-hmm. was a love for the Bible. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm out of college now. I have a little bit more time. I'm going to read the Bible even more. I'm mm-hmm. going to study the Bible even more. Mm-hmm. And I started getting the burden that said, God, use me to instill a love for the Bible into these students, people that I have. Mm-hmm. Eventually, I married my wife, Nancy. How oh, in Tennessee is where you met? Uh, we met in South Carolina. Okay. So I left Tennessee. She left South Carolina. We got married. We came back to Colorado. Mm. And ultimately, God opened a door for me to mm-hmm. get involved with the church, Grace Bible Church. Yeah. Uh, which, know, and so for, we spent 25 years of our life mm-hmm. uh, first attending the church. Yeah. I did an internship at the church. Mm-hmm. I became kind of an associate pastor at the church. Then I became the primary preacher at the church. Mm. What characterized that whole period of time? Yeah. Love for the Bible, man. A commitment mm-hmm. to the Bible. So that's what God was doing in my life. Yeah. Now, I would say that I'm probably by my nature, mm-hmm. by my gifting, I'm probably uh, an evangelist. Okay. I just love seeing people come to know Jesus and walk mm-hmm. with Jesus. Yeah. As a pastor, I learned to grow and say, okay, now it's not my primary responsibility to just win the lost. Mm-hmm. It's my job to equip the saints yeah. to make sure that the Christians mm-hmm. are well equipped to go out and administer yeah. all day, every day, where God has placed them. Mm-hmm. And look, the thing I think that best equips and encourages Christians mm-hmm. is the Bible. Yeah. So I became committed to something mm-hmm. called expository preaching. Yeah. And by that... We started reading, explaining, and applying the Bible. Mm-hmm. Not with any kind of arrogant thing. Sometimes people hear the term expository preaching, they think, mm-hmm. oh, that's some sort of arrogant thing, yeah. academic thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, it's as simple as read, explain, and apply the Bible. Let mm-hmm. the Bible speak for itself. Yeah. And so that's what started happening. I started mm-hmm. investing that Bible into our youth group mm-hmm. and saw them grow. And then I started investing that Bible into our men's ministry, mm-hmm. saw them grow. That was about the time that Promise Keepers was getting started. Okay. And Promise Keepers touched my life at that time mm-hmm. because it was investing the Bible, love for the Bible, yeah. into men's life. That's amazing. And then when I became a pastor, I was just like, okay, Doing we're going to preach through books of the Bible mm-hmm. because the Bible is what people need, and the love for the Bible is what they want. Yeah. So in your 25 years of being involved from pastoring to associate, to just helping what was the one thing that you can advise a young pastor, one like trying to go into trying oh, to become a pastor? Here's the advice, young yeah. pastor: read the Bible, explain the Bible, <coughs> apply the Bible. It's as simple as that, man. I wonder, Just I give yourself to yeah. loving, reading, explaining the Bible. Mm-hmm. And frankly, mm-hmm. God's opened a door, Emmanuel, for me to be part of yeah. ministering to young pastors mm-hmm. all over the world. Yeah. So when I started preaching verse by verse here in Colorado Springs, yeah. I thought, okay, this is going to be a blessing for the congregation or for our – but really it was a blessing for me. Mm-hmm. I started hiding God's word in my heart more and more. The more that I hid God's word in my heart, then God opened doors for me to mm-hmm. share that love with other people. That's amazing. I went to India. Yeah. got to minister to pastors in India. And you know mm-hmm. what? I, I came to these guys, and I'm like, man – 
They, they know the language. They know the culture. They minister to their own people far better than I could ever minister to them. Mm-hmm. But here's what they lack. They don't have a lot of training. Mm-hmm. Well, Emmanuel, they don't need a Western-style seminary over there. Mm-hmm. They don't need me to just come and bring all of my theology and my Bible mm-hmm. college degree. Yeah. What they need is the Bible. Mm-hmm. See, the Bible transcends culture, man. Yes. They don't need a Western style of anything. What they need is mm-hmm. read, explain, apply the Bible. Mm-hmm. And if the Bible is sufficient for yeah. them, then they can go out and do that same thing and, and okay. bless their people. Yeah. So God did something unique in those years for me. Okay. He combined the love for the Bible, which was already growing, mm-hmm. with a love for pastors. Mm-hmm. And a love for Bible and love for pastors, that became a definition. Mm-hmm. And so I started something we called International Bible Conference, or at least yeah. that's what it came to be called later on. Mm-hmm. But really, we went to Africa, mm-hmm. Uganda, just after I'd been in India. I met the same kind of pastors, mm-hmm. know the language, know the culture, sacrificing for the sake of the gospel. Um, but they have very little training, very mm-hmm. little background or, or depth in, mm-hmm. as far as understanding the Bible. Yeah. And the first time I went, they had invited 200 pastors Emmanuel, they had 350 show up. You understand mm-hmm. how that in Africa, there's yeah. such a hunger. Yeah. Now, if we invited 200 pastors in Colorado Springs, three <laughs> might show up. I mean, it's just it's not the same as yeah. far as they don't have, they don't, we don't have the same. It's not so much the hunger, but we're busy, we're mm-hmm. distracted, we have access to other things. In Africa, mm-hmm. they invite 200, they had 350 show up. Mm-hmm. Those guys came from every denomination you could imagine. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, I'm thinking, uh-oh, we might have some conflict. Yeah. We might have people who go to a theological war. Yeah. I didn't know what to do, so I'm working through Colossians, mm-hmm. verse by verse. I read it, I explained it, and applied it. And after three days, mm-hmm. those men came to me, every single man, they mm-hmm. came to me as a man, and they said... This is what we're hungry for. Mm. We're not looking for Western leadership style. Mm-hmm. We're not looking for denominational theology. Just come and teach us the Bible. Mm-hmm. Bro, the next year they had 1,200. The next year, 2,600. Next year, mm. 3,500. Next year, 5,000. It wow. grew to where we had 25,000 pastors mm-hmm. gathering together mm-hmm. to read, explain, and apply the Bible. Mm-hmm. So this, this love for the Bible and mm-hmm. the desire to help others love the Bible mm-hmm. just started skyrocketing. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. So in this, I'm going to keep the theme of you asking you your favorite verse in this season. So in this season, what was it? Yeah, I would say, I mean, if I were to characterize it, it would be preach the word, be okay. instant, in season, mm-hmm. out of season. Okay. So preaching the word and being instant, in season, out of season, that really characterized okay. for, for me. Wow. So after 25 years of doing this, I'm guessing walking away from that, not walking away, but changing your avenue, maybe? Well, is that? well you can, so, you know, what I'm presenting are, are the highlights. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you, man, there are some discouraging points along the way. Yeah. For instance, there was time when we had a conference that was so big, mm-hmm. we had grown so much, that we fell short as far as fundraising. Mm. And I came back really discouraged and wondered, oh, man, wh- how are we going to pay for this? Yeah. And God... Uh, how, why did you fail me? Mm-hmm. And then I realized, wait, God never fails, so I must be the biggest failure ever. Mm-hmm. And then I come back and say, wait a, wait a second, God is faithful. So I went through this emotional mm-hmm. cycle. Yeah. And that emotional cycle mm-hmm. started weaning me mm. from the church. From this standpoint, um, I began wondering, at what point might I need to leave Grace Bible Church and devote my full time and attention to International Bible Conference? Now, my commitment was I really wanted it to be out of a local church. I wanted it to be the base out of a local church. I was committed to um, what God had called me to at Grace Bible Church. But if I was going to be honest with you, I also had a little bit of fear that said, hey, why leave the security that you now have at the church? 
I mean, look, if you're, if you're a young pastor, you build up a ministry, you know, man, there's sacrifices and not a whole lot of salary that comes. And now you get to a church where it's stable and now there's a regular paycheck coming in. It's not a big one because it's a pastor's salary, but it's consistent. And so I, I have to confess, I was probably secure. I was probably a little bit smug and thinking, okay, I'm, I'm not going to leave. And I even use these words, I'm not going to leave until, until God uses dynamite to blow me out. And what was interesting is I started looking and wondering, okay, what are going to be the circumstances that God might use to just change my direction? And ultimately, that's what happened. And, um, I, you know, the circumstances really don't matter as far as going into the depth of that. Mm-hmm. It's just that God used something to make it clear that my time go. at Grace Bible Church was finished. Mm-hmm. And wow. uh, that it was time, at that point, what I thought is I'm resigning from the church so that I can go and pursue mm-hmm. equipping 50,000 pastors a year mm-hmm. with the Bible. Because that's what they're asking for, bro. They're asking 50,000 pastors want to meet together in different conferences to hear the Bible, to be encouraged and provoked. And, and so at that point, I'm like, God, if you can use me that way, then I want to be useful in their life. But the heart of a man plans his way, and the Lord directs his steps. Mm-hmm. And that's where it's going to go a little bit differently. Yeah. Now that we're, now that we're following Bible verses, I'll, that's the next phase. That's, <laughs> so what was the steps that he gave you yeah. that were different? So I thought I was stepping out to just go and do mm-hmm. international Bible conference, yeah. raise money, and go meet with pastors. Mm-hmm. But uh, God, God did something strange for mm-hmm. me. And so this is unusual. I already told you, I, I love the Bible. I'm on that foundation. Mm-hmm. But every once in a while, the Lord just directs us in unusual ways. Okay. And uh, when, when God touched my life and convinced me that my, my time at Grace Bible Church was finished, it was like a weight of responsibility that was on my shoulder that God just took, that weight. Mm-hmm. And, it, and I, I felt free. I felt the freedom to go pursue something else. Mm-hmm. But what was strange is at the same moment, I really had this, it was almost like a physical touch on my shoulder and a clear sense that, that God wasn't finished with me in Colorado Springs. Well, I didn't know what that meant because I thought, well, I'm going to leave and we're going to go to Africa and India and third world mm-hmm. pastors and encouraging them. But three months later, congressmen, our, our U.S. congressmen here in Colorado Springs contacted me mm-hmm. and they said, hey, we have a role for you. We want to engage with the faith mm-hmm. community. And now God took me from loving the Bible myself, loving the Bible for my church, loving the Bible and instilling that for pastors. And now God's taking this opportunity to love the Bible and see that practice mm-hmm. in a broad community, mm-hmm. even representing a U.S. congressman. Mm. And so this role where God has me now, man, is really yeah. it's nothing different than mm-hmm. where God was. It's, it's, it's different from the standpoint of the practice, mm-hmm. but it's the same. Love for the Bible mm-hmm. and now an application of the Bible into our broader culture. Yeah. So, wow. So you get this opportunity to work for the congressman. Well, in this season, what's the verse for this season? Yeah, I'm still coming back to this one. The heart okay. of a man plans his way, yeah. but the Lord directs his steps. Mm-hmm. And then wow. the other verse for this season would mm-hmm. come back to this. When Jesus talked about mm-hmm. the wise man yeah. builds his house upon the rock. Yes. I'm coming back to a recognition that says, look, the storms are going to come and beat mm-hmm. against your house, but it's going to mm-hmm. stand firm if it's built upon the rock. Mm-hmm. Listen, what I, what I believe, what I'm committed to mm-hmm is that the Word of God is the foundation yeah. for our education. Mm-hmm. The Word of God has to be the foundation for justice reform. Mm-hmm. The Word of God has to be the foundation for prison reform. Mm-hmm. I just believe that every other foundation is shaken. And Emmanuel, mm-hmm. that's what we've seen yeah. this last year. 
Yes, if that's COVID true. did anything, mm-hmm. COVID shook us mm-hmm. from all of those false trusts. Mm-hmm. We used to have too much confidence in maybe medical opinions. Yeah. And now we're coming back and saying, wow, you know what? Medicine can disagree in different things. That's, mm-hmm. that's not a reliable foundation. Yeah. We used to have all this trust in our economy. Mm-hmm. Well, the economy gets shaken. Mm-hmm. We had all this trust in all these other foundations. Now we're coming back and realizing, no, mm-hmm. there's only one solid rock. Yeah. And that's the Lord and his word. Amen. And all other ground, man, is mm-hmm. shifting sand. Yeah. So once you start working for the congressman, how were you involved with uh, the International Conference for Pastors? Yeah, yeah. Is that right? So so we continue to do Bible conferences. I mean, the congressman, our congressman, Doug Lamborn in Colorado Springs, really loves the Lord. Yeah. And he's serving the Lord where God has called him. Mm -hmm. And he wants his staff to serve the Lord. Okay. And so I initially took my role as a part-time job, okay. which gave me freedom on the weekends to travel, yeah. preach, raise money. We continued to do conferences, and the congressman was always very supportive of conferences we did. But now the role with the congressman has increased, yeah. so no, it's no longer part-time. It's really demanding more time and attention. Mm-hmm. But we still have the opportunity now to do conferences. So this year, after COVID, because, you know, COVID mm-hmm. really is what stopped conferences from happening. Yes, but after those COVID, after the COVID put a pause, we're hoping to go with a, a local ministry mm-hmm. uh, to Iraq and administer to some pastors in northern okay. Iraq. Okay. And then we're making plans to be in Uganda back in December later this year. Okay. So uh, Bible conferences are a little bit on hold. They've mm-hmm. kind of taken a step back mm-hmm. because during this season, yeah. the opportunity is right here. Yeah. And trying to impact. Look, man, I, I'm grateful that we can try to invest the Word of, of God in places like India and Africa. Mm-hmm. But right now, we need the Word of God in America. <laughs> I mean, we desperately need the Word of God coming into our culture mm-hmm. and getting out, of the, getting out of the four walls of the church. Yes. We need it do. out of the walls of the church, and we mm-hmm. need a love for the Bible and a commitment mm-hmm. to the Bible, di- mm-hmm. being directed by the Bible in every sphere of yeah. our lives. So could you just explain a little what you do for the Congress? Because when you told me, I was blown away. Yeah. This is stuff that you've done and you're planning to do. Well, as you know, a U.S. congressman yes. um, gets elected, and then he goes to Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. And, and in D.C., because he's there all the time and mm-hmm. involved with legislation, people back at home can often feel like they're somehow disconnected. Yeah. My role mm-hmm. is to be the eyes and the ears and the voice for the congressman back here in the district. Okay. So while he's in Washington, D.C. doing that work, I can be here building relationships, mm-hmm. networking, uh, communicating as far mm-hmm. as here's the services that our office can provide for you, mm-hmm. but then also being able to convey here's the congressman's message to this group of people. Mm-hmm. So that's really my role. Okay. And they call it outreach. And by outreach is just talking about interacting with the, the community. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's something more involved in that, and, okay. and that's the convening. That's the pulling of the community together and saying, all right, there may be a place for Washington, D.C. and for legislation in certain areas, but we don't believe that Washington, D.C. has all the answers. We think mm-hmm. that the Word of God has all the answers, and we believe that the church, the local church right here in our community, mm-hmm. that they're the ones who need to be providing solutions for mm-hmm. our problems. Yeah. And the, answer, the, the example I'm going to give is like from the book of Daniel. You know, God sent Daniel into some foreign land uh, in Babylon. Mm -hmm. And there was a king named Nebuchadnezzar. That king had a problem. He had a dream that he couldn't understand, had no interpretation. He went to all of his wise men. No one had any answers. But God gave the answer, solved the king's dilemma 
through his believer, Daniel. Mm -hmm. I think that God is wanting to use his believers in all of the different areas of civil government and culture. Mm -hmm. And I believe that God wants to bring the solutions through believers. So right now we got a big problem with justice reform. Yes. we got a big problem with justice reform in America, and I don't believe that the answer for justice reform is going to come from Washington, D.C. I believe justice reform is going to come from Christians who are in the justice system. Maybe they're police officers or sheriffs. Maybe they're district attorneys. Mm-hmm. But if, if God gives them wisdom and might, then they're going to be able to solve the problems that the world around us just doesn't have the answers for. Yeah. The same thing's true for education reform. Mm-hmm. I mean, during education, everyone's wondering, okay, how do we get kids back to school and what are the better solutions than what we have? I believe that God's raising up Daniel-like Christians in education. Mm-hmm. We're going to bring, bring some answers, answers from heaven, where God gives them wisdom and God wants to use them in education. Mm. See, here's what I'm getting at. Okay. I really believe God's busting the church out of the four walls of the church. Mm-hmm. For far too long, Emmanuel, the American, the Western model of the church, mm-hmm. has been content to say, okay, everybody, serve Jesus by being an usher on our usher team. Serve Jesus by working in our nursery. And we've forgotten that what God has called the church to do is equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And that work of the ministry mm-hmm. is not inside these four walls. That work of the ministry is out where people are teachers in our public schools mm-hmm. or they're um, lawyers who we desperately need biblically-minded lawyers. We need biblically-minded uh, officers, mm-hmm. uh, law enforcement officials. We need Bible-minded businessmen. We need all of the spheres of cultural mm-hmm. influence mm-hmm. to be touched by Christians. Christians who understand the Bible, love the Bible, and can bring the, bring the application of the Bible into mm-hmm. their daily life. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. And so... I know my voice is getting a little loud. I'm, I know I'm going into preaching mode. <laughs> no, no, just, I like it. But that's just because I'm so excited. I like it. I like. It. This is the second time I've seen you really excited about something. The first time is when you explained to me what you do with the congressman mm-hmm. and now. Yeah. So I, I like it. Well, that's because we're talking about the same thing, my friend. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> so now in this new role, because I know you've done a lot of stuff in the faith area, mm-hmm. and I know you're moving into education and other areas, mm-hmm. what is... If, looking ahead now, just for this role, mm-hmm. and then I'll ask you two, the second question for your ministry side. What is the one thing that you're looking forward to do and to accomplish in the next, say, let's say, a year? Well, so so here's what's different about my life than it's ever been, Emmanuel. Okay. Uh, when I was pastoring, I always had a five-year plan. Okay. I was always looking far ahead and planning mm-hmm. and directing. Yeah. Um, right now, in this season, mm-hmm. I, I've learned to wait upon the Lord. I don't have a three-year plan. I don't mm-hmm. even have a two-year plan because I don't know for sure where the Lord's going to go. Mm-hmm. Now, we're back to this point. The heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. <laughs> yeah. And right now, I know I'm doing exactly what God's wired me to do. Mm-hmm. I'm so grateful to engage with our community this way. Mm-hmm. I don't know how long this is going to last, and yeah. I don't know what it's going to be three years down the road. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to tell you, I mean, maybe, maybe the way that I, that I look at that is <laughs> wait upon the Lord. Yeah. Delight yourself also in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. I'm right now at the place where I'm just experiencing the peace mm-hmm. of uh, trusting my good shepherd, mm-hmm. following his lead, mm-hmm. and and not doing the long-term planning yeah. that's really been... Amen. You know, it's been part of our American DNA. Yes. We think that we're being irresponsible if mm-hmm. we don't have that plan. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I feel irresponsible. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I'm just being honest with you. Yeah. I don't know where all of this is going to go. Mm-hmm. So that's my verse for the year. Uh uh, the the one you just keep sharing, it just I just blanked out of it. Delight yourself in the Lord, or you're talking about rest. Wait, no. wait upon the Lord. 
In Proverbs, the ways of a man plans... The heart of a man plans his way. Mm -hmm. The, But Lord, the Lord directs his steps. That's my verse for the yeah. this waiting. Now, let me tell you what I would dream, okay. all right? And I don't yes. know for sure yes, of what God's doing. Uh-huh. But really what I would dream, because mm -hmm. um, people say, well, do you think that maybe this role is preparing you for some sort of run in politics? Mm. I, I just, I don't yeah. think that. I don't sense that. Mm -hmm. I want to be ob obedient to whatever God wants. Are you going to go back to a pastorate? I'd be willing to, you know, I don't know that. Mm -hmm. But here's what I am passionate about. I would love to see this role that we've been serving in this community. I'd like to see that replicated across the country. Because mm. I think that the best way to get the faith community, the church, engaged with their own culture, but also engaged in public policy like government, mm -hmm. I think that we've come across something here. Mm. I think that this is a, someone who has relationships with pastors and, mm -hmm. can, pro and can provoke and encourage pastors mm -hmm. to get their people involved. Uh, that's what I would really get excited mm. about. Wow. And that's a, very, that's a new frontier because there's not a lot of that going on. There's not a lot of that going on. I think mm. it's a wide open opportunity. I, yeah. I, and, and frankly, I think that this is the future where mm -hmm. ministry would go. Hey, if, if there's anyone out there yeah. who's involved with public policy, maybe you're involved in some sort of public ministry or something like that, mm -hmm. uh, I'd love to visit with you a little bit more yeah. because this, is a, this would be a new way. Mm -hmm. Instead of having to go out and ask people for money so that we can minister in this realm of government, yeah. uh, I think that there's a way that we can actually come and provide a service mm. that's a blessing for members of Congress, yeah. but at the same time that mm -hmm. they pay for it, mm -hmm. it can, we can serve our communities. And I'll put his contact info in the description so that anybody who's interested in doing that, they can contact you. That sounds good. So as we wrap up here, because, oh, we did answer the, the second part, ministry side, like with the conference and all that. Mm -hmm. what, is, what are you dreaming about that? Uh, I still dream. I still dream of the time that we'll be able to meet with mm -hmm. 50,000 pastors every year mm -hmm. and just instill a love for the Bible. Yeah. But now it's a little bit different because mm -hmm. for all those years I could, I could guide them as far as loving the Bible and preaching the Bible. Yeah. But now I can come and say, hey, look, you as a pastor mm -hmm. have a role to impact your community. And so now what we've been able to be part of here, mm -hmm. we can come and say, hey, let's, let's bring the Bible not only in your church, in your, let's mm -hmm. bring the Bible to your community. Mm. And so there's a whole different element of that. Yeah. I dream of that, my friend. Yeah, so that seems like that's the added piece that has been added because you already love the Word all your life. Mm -hmm. But now it's the community and the seven, the seven mountains teaching. Yeah, seems it. like That's amazing. Yeah. So before we wrap up here, I'm going to ask you three questions. All right? Random questions. You're not, he doesn't know what they are. I didn't even tell him any of this. Number one, what is uh, your favorite pastime? You know, I really enjoy skiing. Okay. So for, that, that is going to be a simple answer. I love to get up in the mountains, mm -hmm. cool air, great But excitement, skiing. You're tall, so when you fall. Yeah, it's a long ways down there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And actually, I, you know, because I grew up here, mm -hmm. I'm a pretty aggressive skier. So I've always kind of skied the things yeah. that go straight down, you know. <laughs> And so when wow. you're going when you're going straight down, yeah. then uh, it's not as far out to fall because you're just <laughs> leaning back against the wall. That is know. true. You think about that. <laughs> uh, second question, and I'm surprised we didn't even get to talk about this. Your wife, how long have you been married? Yeah, 29 years. Okay. We're in our 30th year. We have five children, mm -hmm. three boys, two girls. They're all young adults. Yeah. They love the Lord, and they've been a great blessing. Was Jared your oldest? Uh, my oldest is Ashley. Okay, because I, I just met Brandon, okay. who is a youth pastor now at Craigmore.
Christian Reformed Church here in town. Nice. And then my son Jason mm-hmm. is working at a bank here. My daughter Alyssa is actually the events coordinator at Live Network right here in town. Oh, that's awesome. So, th- which which is awesome. I mean, mm-hmm. you want to hear a story? Mm-hmm. I started taking my kids to the Walk for Life mm-hmm. when they were being pushed around in a stroller, mm-hmm. and now. I'm, I'm, all these years later, my daughter is the event coordinator for wow. the Walk for Life. That's amazing. And then my youngest son, Zeb, mm-hmm. he's, uh, he's in college. Okay. Now, third and final question. And this is not, not going to be serious. Favorite ice cream? Favorite what? Ice cream. Oh, strawberry for sure. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Although, man, at the end of the summer, <laughs> yeah. you get uh, vanilla with, mm-hmm. with peaches on it. Mm-hmm. Peaches and cream pretty good, too. Actually, Slash, what's your favorite dessert? Because every time we eat, he always gets a dessert. No. <laughs> I don't know that that's true. We always go for Thai food. And yeah. I never get, we never get deserted at a Thai restaurant. Yeah. Uh, cheesecake is hard to beat, man. True. It's like true. a raspberry, white, mm-hmm. white chocolate raspberry cheesecake. Yeah. You know, I'm getting hungry. I think we need to end this thing. <laughs> I know. So could you just pray for us to wrap up the okay. interview? Lord, oh, how we love your law. It's our meditation all the day. You said, blessed is the man who delights in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And Lord, right now I want to pray a blessing on anyone who's, who's hearing my testimony, my story, my walk with you. I'm asking that you would bless them with a love for the Bible. And I pray, Lord, that you would pour out a love for the Bible upon our nation, upon our community right here at Colorado Springs. I pray for our our local pastors, to just have such a love and passion for the Bible. And then, Lord, I pray that you would extend that love for the Bible to pastors all around the world. I pray that pastors in Uganda, Kenya, Liberia, Nigeria, pastors all across India, oh, I pray that they would just love the Bible. And I pray that that Bible would come back to being the foundation of our, uh, of our culture, of our community. And so, Lord, uh, bless your people to love your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jeff. Really, really appreciate this. So remember, we all have a story. What's your story? Goodbye. Hey, you made it till the end. Thank you for tuning in and watching this amazing interview. If you want to get a hold of Emmanuel, you can do so on social media. There's also a blog where you can read some of his writings. God bless you. And remember, everybody has a story. What's your story?